Welcome back to another episode of Maybe We'll Learn Something. I'm Stefan Schloss. I'm Levi Mitson. <laughs> Fuck you, Stefan. Let's do this again. We're keeping this. Keep going. We're keeping this? Okay, we're going. What are we talking about today, Stefan? I'm probably going to end up putting a knife in your skull. I, we were talking about that. We, I, I we were talking Borg. about that. Yeah. yeah. No. Why would I be Vorg? Oh, you know. Because you know Vorg. you'd be Vorg. Today we're talking about the, <laughs> the Norwegian black metal scene in the early 90s and later 80s. <laughs> Say that in reverse. Um, yeah. So we actually had a lot of fun researching this topic. It does get pretty dark at times. But it's weird because it, it's kind of like a cool story. And it's a bunch of, you know, people, white people. If you're bored, like, you need to be involved in productive things in life so that... You don't burn down a church. Things like this. I mean, I'm glad it happened because we got good music. But, like, you got to... White people have to stay entertained to, to like... Yeah, I mean, about, like, a lot of cool music and, like, cool things that, like happened but it all stemmed from severely bored teenagers with nothing to do in a place that's always cold and always snowing yeah it's kind of like if you leave your cat home alone too long it's just going to start destroying things it's going to entertain yeah oh all right so my cat did that we hope you enjoy here's our episode about norwegian black metal before we get into the history of black metal, we kind of want to talk about the sound, the image, and some of like the vernacular mm. they use. Um, black metal is traditionally very fast and does not really adhere to normal song structure. It's kind of all over the place. There's heavy, at least in the second wave, there was a lot more heavy like tremolo picking mm-hmm. and kind of just... Um, I guess like dissonance. Well, you yeah, no, definitely a lot of dissonance. Kind of getting that eerie sound. No, yeah. you can definitely, especially in the early stuff, hear the influence of thrash in this. It's very, very fast paced. Yeah, very, very like you want to thrash to it. You know, um, like you could a uh, you could see how Slayer was probably a huge influence. Oh on yeah, no, the second yeah. wave. But the first wave of black metal is a lot different than the second wave. Yeah, so you're basically coming in like first wave. Being yeah. inspired by what would be Slayer, Motorhead, and Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath being a big one. Well, and the biggest ones, the biggest three, I think, because goddamn, if it wasn't a good time to be in the Bathory T-shirt business, oh my god, <laughs> in the Venom yeah. T-shirt business, Venom, Bathory, and Merciful Fate were like the kind of unholy trinity of proto black mm-hmm. metal, I guess you could say. Um, Venom was kind of like the first to do the very satanic stuff. I mean, you had like In Black Sabbath. Yeah, you had like Black Sabbath with like occult references and maybe some satanic. But they make knowledge. like Black Sabbath this, look yeah. like 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 Ozzy like Osbourne Cooper, looks now. like yeah. like Kiss. Like nothing compared to these guys. Just full out satanist iconography, pagan stuff, hailing Satan, upside down crosses. Well, beautiful. And a lot I of a, a lot of the bands were not actually like like Levian Anton Levay no. who created uh, the Satanic Bible and organized Satanism. They were not actual Satanists. They were. It was kind of more of a theatrical thing. Um, at least maybe like it, that's just kind of they, they didn't really adhere to actual Satanism. No, it was less Satanic and more just anti-Christian. Yeah, it was more kind of like. One thing I heard in one of the documentaries I saw was it was an inversion of Christianity, pretty much, which mm-hmm. is devil's good, God is bad, 
Um, and it has very religious tones, you know, like they have pentagrams everywhere, inverted crosses. It's just, it's kind of like their own way of expressing a distaste for the, you know, religion they've grown up in. Mm -hmm. Not so much actually practicing Satanism, you know? No, I'll say that that is part of it. Like everything you guys just said, but I do think there's also part that was back then that's like after the satanic panic and things like that. So if you put Satan on your music... That is going to sell really well. Like it, any any you know PR is good PR. Exactly, but I mean, and then when you actually like hear what the band's saying, like they, they didn't necessarily want to be famous, but like or be super popular. But when you put that on your album, like it will sell. Because I remember the first time I think I ever heard about Venom, and I'm pretty sure it's them. Uh, it was a documentary that was talking about uh, that list that they made. Like, it was either 80s or 90s. That was like the top 10 albums that like were banned or should be listened uh, to and Venom was on that fucking list of and course, any yeah. band that was on that list like their fucking shit starts selling like crazy oh, I'm yeah. sure because people like, were like oh we shouldn't listen to that we're definitely going to listen to that and I mean even I remember seeing somewhere that uh, I forget who it was it was a celebrity but he said he would find out what music to listen to by what they told you not to listen to in church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, exactly. they, he just went think, and bought their records. I think that was Marilyn Manson, actually. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that makes sense. But bands like Venom, Merciful Fate, who, um, I think, were, were they Dutch? Um, I think Merciful Fate was Dutch. It's like all Europe. Yeah, Mer- Merciful Fate was Dutch. Uh, and, uh, Bathory was from Sweden. No, they were like, I heard them described as like the blueprint for Scandinavian black yes. metal. They were a get, They were the first to have that like classic shriek like, yeah. vocal just like, I think someone's dying in the background of the, this <laughs> recording. Like, wow, that is that is dark. You can definitely hear the most influence of the most influenced record mm. in the second wave of black metal. Sonically, yeah. was um, I think Bathory's first album. Uh, the which one? The one with the goat on it. Oh, I think Fuck it's just called goat. Bathory. I think yeah, it's, just, it's called just called Bathory. Bathory. Yeah, and um. The name Black Metal actually comes from one of Venom's albums called yes. Black Metal. Black Metal, album. yeah. I came yeah. out in 82. Even it's though it's not, not Black Metal. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Black Metal. It's like Thrash. It, yeah. It's really not Black Metal. It's kind of like It's how... not second wave Black Metal, that's for sure. No, I mean, I. it's kind of like even in the punk scene or the ska scene, first wave punk and ska are not the same as what we think of them today. That's true. But either way, these people had a huge influence on what would be the defining moments in black metal, which mm-hmm. would be the Norwegian scene. Yeah. They loved Venom and Bathory and definitely liked Merciful Fate and mm-hmm. Black Sabbath and Slayer. But in the documentaries, when you go and watch about these guys in the second wave, which, would, like we said, is most important, they're all wearing Venom yeah. and Bathory t-shirts. Like, if you... God, I bet they made a lot of money. Mm. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Just a merch business alone. Oh, yeah. So to kind of go back to the defining sounds and, like, visuals of black metal, we talked about, you know, there's, it's usually very fast, thrash-inspired kind of Mm -hmm. stuff, very inspired from Bathory's first album. Um, But visual-wise, one of the most defining things about the genre is corpse paint. What's corpse paint? Well, kids... (laughs) Um, I think actually there was like a jazz musician or somebody from New Orleans who started Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Oh, you already had it. Yeah. I forgot. Okay, cool. Yeah, do you want to talk about him? Uh, Sure. He was just um, a jazz musician from the South, American South, and he kind of took in that like 
Merkaba like like that death voodoo paint skulls on your face mm-hmm. look, and it really went to influence you know later like just metal stuff that really like scared and... the white man back then. Exactly, anything <laughs> that scared the white man. Ironically, it would be then picked up by very scary white men. Yeah, so you could kind of, yeah <laughs> very yeah, um, and I mean you could even a good way if you don't know what we're talking about what corpse paint looks like imagine kiss especially like gene simmons after being in the rain giving a blowjob in the rain you know what that's actually a really it's good description yeah yeah that makes... i have a question are juggalos using corpse paint? fuck off next it's <laughs> a legitimate question. question no um and another thing you'll find in black metal that i think is interesting is they kind of have their own vernacular mm. like the word cult spelled k-v-l-t is something that comes up and it's used on the internet a lot. And they don't like kinda, you. Like you're a, well, it also means cold. Yeah. In um, Norwegian. So it kind of works like cult and cold. Mm-hmm. And it's spelled with a V instead of a U because kind of how black metal has a lot to do with heritage. Oh. And that was kind of an old way of spelling was U's were like V's. That, yeah, lyric wise nationalism does kind of creep up there was this severe hatred for christianity because not because they more so like hated the message mm-hmm. not unless they did i mean I'm no sure they kind of did. did they yeah. kind of did okay well a lot of it had to do with the idea that <sighs> okay it, it was it wasn't kinda... their native religion like they mm-hmm. had their culture yeah. kind of ruined by christianity yeah and they took they kind of wanted to go back to their roots so it's more you know pagan it's very anti-christian so that's kind of the things you hear about in their um albums like that's the kind of themes you'll see there's not i mean i've read a bunch like as far as like straight up satanic devil worship it's definitely out there but kind of the newer stuff was more of this well second wave Mm. was kind of more of wanting to go back to their native norwegian roots yeah no really really heavy pagan believers i don't know the correct term but no they would try to kind of like their shows to an extent because they were so into this image became ritual practices ritual performances some bands would call it rituals yeah i mean because everyone was even kind of in that headspace uh we'll talk about it maybe a bit later but like one of the defining things of black metal was they hated posers like if you were thought of to not be authentic they would try to purge the fuck out of you so what better way to do it than just be really shocking with your like worship and if you have any hesitations you're out you know this is our religion we're gonna do what we want we're gonna be as crazy as we want we don't really care what you think yeah it was really something where they cared about um the true essence of Mm. black metal and if you were an outsider and you were kind of trying to you know get your way in you usually got shunned or you you were just you know not you weren't allowed in the gang no and this is pretty common in fringe music genres Mm -hmm. of like yeah authenticity you know you're not real you're not real metal you're not real hip-hop you know get out of here you're not real punk which i mean believe in the message yeah sometimes it gets ridiculous but other times it makes sense because Mm -hmm. you do want to preserve the ethics of the original artwork yeah you know yeah, it's like a one that can be really elitist but then it can also be really good for the actual scene and the for, and for the music mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and that one thing i will say too that's really cool like uh levi mentioned how the shows were kind of rituals and then you talked about their own vocabulary mm-hmm. uh another thing they did is they all had pseudonyms so they all yeah. went by different names yeah a lot of them did have pseudonyms which when we talk about the coming up on the history <laughs> of the second wave which 
is going to be primarily what we're going to be talking about. I don't even know most of their real fucking names. No. And I probably couldn't pronounce them. Like, I mean, I've seen them, but it just makes a lot more sense instead of, like, this is Schmorgoffel Torg. <laughs> just know, guys, this, we tried. We really tried. Or of Asgard. Batfucker or some shit instead. I mean, that's English. I can, I can do that. So it's kind of impossible to talk about the second wave of black metal without talking about it's fucking impossible without talking about mayhem. Mayhem Fest. I love going to Mayhem Fest. That's not black metal at all. It's not black metal. I saw A Seven X there. Are they black metal? No. I think Disturb headline not too long ago. Disturb is black metal. We saw that video. Disturb is black metal. (laughs) The Catholic reacts video. Oh my Jesus. Yeah. Anyways, so there's a band called Mayhem, and they are kind of the central hub for this entire story and lineage. Like, they're kind of mm-hmm. like the NWA of, like, yeah. black metal. Yeah, kind where of. Where it's, like, all, all, all of the important people were either affiliated with or were in or stemmed from Mayhem. And the members of Mayhem were notorious for being fucking characters i was gonna say they, they are characters there is they, no uh, other way to describe they're that. creative did they create the oh it's the black circle or was that just something were they part of it yeah we'll no. talk about the black circle um in a little bit mm-hmm. uh but so some of the founding members of mayhem the most like i guess you could say the most notable one no is definitely Euronymous. yeah he is one of the most key characters in this entire story he was the first like, real motherfucker. I don't think, honestly, you can say what you will about him. I don't think this genre would have happened without him. He, he, he was just so way. at the center. No, like, not yeah. in the same way. Because he was in the band, and then he had, uh, well, we'll get to the fucking record store. The too. record like, store, he, he also had a record label. Yeah. Yeah, he was a huge player, and he was the um, original guitar player mm. for Mayhem. And in Mayhem's early days, they kind of didn't have permanent members a lot like there was a lot of band trading going like member switching all this stuff kind I of call them band on. sluts they kind of go yeah. around to each band yeah. and they play a little bit because you know they don't really have any ties to one band they just like to play and when it's a really experimental genre you kind of have to do that yeah and so you had a lot of people you know who would switch from band to band like you know um dark throne all like emperor mm-hmm. you know a lot of these people would play in similar bands yeah and um Euronymous had somebody fill in vocals and they did their first album which was called Death Crush and that was the first real Norwegian black metal record mm-hmm. and that it did surprisingly like well like it got they spread it around they toured some and they got some notoriety and ended up um getting the attention of quite a lot of people and causing some controversy with their live shows. Oh, would they cause a controversy? But we'll also learn is if you're in mayhem, that's like a really good way to like die. Like they yeah. have a good, they have a pretty decent turnaround rate on like singers and guitarists. Yeah. You either leave an ex member or you die. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> as they're kind of touring around and they're releasing material, 
they're getting attention from people in you know other parts of Europe as well. And one of the most notable people in this entire story, besides Euronymous, is a man. I don't like. I can't pronounce his name. I think his first name is literally Pre. I think so, it's like P R E. I thought it was like P E L L E or something. His name's Dead. Dead. Yeah. That's a yeah. His pseudonym is Dead. His name was Dead, and he um got in contact with Mayhem and ended up becoming. Uh, the new singer and dead never recorded a full album with mayhem except for a live album which was we'll talk about why Mm. later (laughs) yeah but he although was not around very long is probably the most remembered singer of mayhem in the you know story of uh norwegian black metal yeah because i mean mayhem's still around today they're still active today and he was only in the band for three years yeah so, he made a big impact in a very short amount of time. He did, and he was really strange. Like, he was the first, um... I think he did Corpse Paint first. Yeah, well, he didn't do he, it first. Yes, he was the one that did it first. Yeah, yeah he, he was, like, the like person who, like... And he said he did it to look like a corpse. He didn't want to be shocking. He literally wanted to just look dead. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't do it, like... A, a good comparison is King Diamond of yeah. Merciful Fate. He yeah. wasn't doing it in a King Diamond kind of way where he was looking like, you know, a scary demon or something. He was obsessed with death. He just mm. literally thought he was dead. He, yeah, he no, had he did. some kind of, like, <laughs> mental disorder. He actually, when he was 10 years old, was involved mm-hmm. in an ice skating accident. Mm-hmm. And, legend. Um, ice skating accident? A legend. <laughs> no, uh, his brother said in an interview that he actually believes that his brother was just beaten to the point that is, I think it was his spleen, like, burst... So it wasn't the ice skating. It's contested. What? Yeah, no, his brother said, I forget uh, what documentary or uh, book it was in. It was a book on black metal. He said, no, you know, the rumor is that my brother fell on ice when he was ice skating. That's how he ruptured it. He was just beat up by these kids to the point, like, the beating got so bad that his, I think it was the spleen ruptured. Well, I don't think ice skating is any tougher than getting your ass kicked. Like, <laughs> if I was going to make up a story, anyways, but, um. Well, I mean, had- no, because these kids could get in trouble for that. Like, it's oh. to direct tension away. It's like, no, they didn't do it. He was just a weird kid and he fell on some ice. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But um, he had, uh, allegedly, he had a near-death experience because mm-hmm. allegedly he was dead for a certain amount of time. Well, either way, he was definitely dead for a, he was clinically dead, which yeah. just meant that respiratory and circular systems stopped. But he, at age 10, swore that he had some kind of near-death experience mm-hmm. of some sort of afterlife. And once he came back from that, he never felt like he belonged in mm-hmm. this world. He it's... felt like he was supposed to have died. He felt like a part of him was still dead. And he was obsessed with death. He mm-hmm. would, you know, before shows, he would bury his clothes yeah. in the soil mm-hmm. for a couple of days to begin the rotting process. So he would, you know, look like dead. He had this cr- decaying crone back. He would just like huff before a show so he could go out with the stench of death in his nostrils. God, that's what we mean by like tremendously bored kids. No, he just like they go on do. stage and cut himself open and yeah, that, stuff. That's and what his I meant to say too. To yeah, stop him. and that's when insane. stuff started getting like it, it. It took it a notch farther. Is when Dead got involved and stuff got a lot weirder. Like they would have pigs' heads impaled mm-hmm. on stakes at yeah, shows, yeah. and they would throw them in the crowd, and people would leave. And it was just like nothing like that had ever really been done. And Yura loved it. Euronymous, he loved it. Oh, yeah, he kind of, whenever Dead was around, his adding to the fucking insanity mm-hmm. of mayhem and black metal was something that was supported. He actually, um, 
was apparently fascinated with deaths or dead suicidal tendencies mm-hmm. and um, delusions of him, you know, already being deceased. That syndrome is called a uh, cotard delusion. It's the syndrome where you think you're already dead. Mm. Cotard. C O T A R D. I looked it up. <laughs> Leave a coming through with the yeah. facts. <laughs> but dead would not be with mayhem very long mm. because. And I mean, it's no fucking shocker. He, it's round two. Hold yeah, on. he was very suicidal yeah, and yeah. was very open about the fact he was suicidal and wanted to die. And one day, uh, he... That day being April 8th, 1991. Where were you on that day? I wasn't born. I wasn't either. Neither was I. I was <laughs> as dead as dead. <laughs> but he ended up while Euronymous was away allegedly allegedly yeah no allegedly out of town. we're gonna say yeah. that a lot while this. Euronymous was away um dead ended up slitting both of his throats with a steak knife both of his both throats? Of his throats fuck both of his wrists with a steak knife and then slitting his throat and then mm. walked around the apartment for a while and then blew his brains out with a shotgun to finish himself off. Which he didn't even have, like, shotgun shells. But then no. someone else that okay. will talk about Vargas was like, hey, you're suicidal, you have a shotgun with no sh- shotgun shells, you're my friend, here are some shells. We asked him, I think he was like, I'll yeah. kill myself if you give me the bullet. He was like, okay, was like, oh, yeah, here you go, man. Let's see. Yeah, he, yeah. he, somebody bought bullets for him knowing he was suicidal. Yeah. I mean, that's just what friends do. No, and that's, even if Euronymous wasn't there, they think that he may have left dead alone knowing that he'd probably kill himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, apparently, that was, it could be the case. But, so, Euronymous comes home, and he doesn't have a key to the apartment for some reason, and he's knocking on the door, and nobody's answering. Like, nobody's letting him in. So, he breaks in, and finds Dead's corpse, um, with his brains blown out, and his throat slit, and his wrists You can look up the picture. Yeah, you can. Alright, so, alright, so basically, he comes home. His friend and bandmate is like Stefan. You come home. I'm laying there dead, brains like on the floor. What What's the first thing you would do? I take a picture. You That's what I would it. make it the next album cover. There you go. Hell yeah! But not only did he do that, like he uh, collected fragments of his skull and gave it to like worthy black metal bands, mm-hmm. and allegedly ate some of his brains so he can claim that he was a cannibal. Now the funny thing is, while the brain thing is very disputed. Most people in that music scene were like, "No, he took skull pieces." Like people got those necklaces that yeah, actually happened. That's something that I, I wouldn't put it past really argues him. About. Yeah, it's you'll find too. Like none of the main like figures in black metal, like none of them were good people. So they all did some fucked up shit. Well, good thing is though, because I mean, they're they're a bunch of crazy kids in a yeah. really weird time, and it's kind of like people have phases, you know, like. There's rock and roll, or there's you know the hippie movement, or anything. This is just like to take a, a picture weird, of your dead friend. Yeah, face. yeah, this is a weird thing to get caught in between. Well, after all this, like Euronymous kind of lost a lot of friends because like they were hardcore, but even they were like, dude, that's kind of callous. Yeah, like, like the bass player fucked. ended up quitting Mayhem because he wouldn't dispose of the photos and did not want to be in the band with him because he thought he was you know sick. And Euronymous had no intention to slow down mayhem in mm. fact having he was gonna be an album cover or it was on like certain versions it was like an unofficial it. yeah it was yeah. like an unofficial album cover and it got it definitely you know gained them some 
popularity. No, if you look it up on Wikipedia, that's the picture they use. Yeah. Because of course it is. That's what everyone... I mean, really, if you know people in the black metal scene and you bring this up, that is what they're going to think of. Yeah. Just right away. Even before I got into black metal, I've actually seen that photo just because it is that, like, Yes, yeah, so actually. I've, yeah, I've definitely seen it before, too. How about how old were they at this point? Oh. They were in their early 20s. Yeah, they there were, were young. no parents in any of this. So it's like they had to, like... Oh, there were no parents connection. involved. At some point, to... like, like Vark's <laughs> parents were like, uh... Well, okay, we I, I all... I wish you wouldn't do that. We all went through a, like, emo metalhead thing. Like, I mean, maybe we weren't, like, this satanic and this crazy, but we all kind of had that phase, and I feel like our parents, while they didn't like it, they accepted it enough yeah. to not disown us. So That is true. So after Dead's death, they make that joke a lot too. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. After his death, um, uh, Euronymous opened a record store called Helvet. Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. Oh, that it. And it's a is lot it? of e's and t's and an h in there. And a it's v. Norwegian. That's not supposed to oh, be a v. v. Yeah, it's, it's Norwegian for hell. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. And this record store kind of became the central hub for the black metal scene at the time. They would have people of all kinds of different bands come in, like Dark Throne and Emperor, mm. and they would sell records. They sold a lot of Venom records. Well, beyond that, a lot they of would Bathory just stuff. like also hang out. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, it was kind of like where they would sell their friends' records as well. And some people even lived in there. Mm-hmm. And there's like cool pictures of their basement where just is like black metal spray painted mm-hmm. there. And I think, like, Euronymous lived up in, like, an attic or some shit. Like, I can just imagine, like, customers coming in and he's just, like, waking up in the morning, like, fucking, like... Full course makeup still, yeah. though. Full <laughs> course. His underwear, Boxers has his coffee, I hate Monday's mug. Yeah. <laughs> but around the same time that he opened the record store is whenever, um... Uh, Varg... Ver- Verkin? Varg the Viking. Yeah, That's Varg not what it is at all. <laughs> I mean, it's close to it. No, it's not. Uh, it's Vikings. 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 Varg, also yeah. known as Count Gearshnack. Which is somehow easier to pronounce. Grishnack. Grishnack. Yeah. It's from uh, Lord of the Rings. Of course it is. But we're going to call yeah. him Varg, because he goes by that a lot more. He's like and the one person easy. from like the metal scene that everybody just calls him by his first name. Yeah. Like they, Everyone else like uses the pseudonyms, but for him, it's like, he's just Varg. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot easier than Count whatever the fuck. <laughs> and, um... He was getting a lot of respect from Euronymous because he believed he was a true black metal man. Because <laughs> he had a very like DIY aspect to his music. And he had that eerie ambient... Um, well, not ambient, but just um, atmospheric sound. Early ambient, because he would later go into that. Yeah, he did. And I actually really liked that. Yeah, that was actually really good. And... Um, what he would do was he had this style of recording called um, uh, necro, like, yeah, necro sound, yeah, necro, necro sound, sound yeah. where he would just try to make the recording as shit as possible mm-hmm. for artistic value, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Like he would do, try to do the most he could with the worst equipment possible. Like he would purposely go find terrible microphones, terrible amps, you know, and it wasn't well mixed, but it's kind of the charm. 
Well, I don't think he was trying to make the best. I think, honestly, no, he just wanted the worst. He wanted to make the worst with the worst out of the worst so he can be the worst. The music's good, though. It's good, not mainstream good. It is very abrasive. It is very It was a rebellion against what would be good, like, popular mainstream metal. Yeah, but they they wanted everyone else to think they were bad. The only people they wanted to think they were good were people like them. Yeah. Everybody else can go to hell. Yeah, that's one of the things I like about black metal, Uh, especially back then, like, they were making music basically for themselves and their friends. Like, yeah, like that's a lot what of them didn't want. really have any drive to become rock stars no. or anything like that. It was they were that was just what they liked to do, and they did it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were making music for themselves, and they already had their own kind of like vocabulary they used. They had their own names. Like they were really like sectioned off. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they were a pretty small community as well. You know, so it was kind of a tight knit group of people who were really you know in the what you would call the black circle, which is what Euronymous, Euron- Euron- I just call him Euro, what he called the group, and he kind of considered himself the leader of that group, which ended up being kind of debatable, given the fact he didn't do some things we're going to mention in a little bit, at least not till later. Mm. So at this point, Burzum is signed to Death Like Silence, which is Euronymous's record label. And Burzum is... Uh, Vars. Yeah. They, I don't think, in, we, I don't think we mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Burzum is Varg's band. It was not even a band. It's just him where he like occasionally will feature other musicians. Burzum is like all Varg. And it's also, um, it's from Lord of the Rings meets Darkness, I think. Yeah, it does. What? Burzum yeah, meets yeah. Darkness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so they're getting along good at first. Like he becomes the new bass player as well of mayhem mm-hmm. and then um stuff starts going kind of sour he's kind of he's funny as fuck though like he has a youtube channel now and um he posts on there and it's he's just a fucking character like this dude would there was a mcdonald's that opened up oh in God. their town Jesus Christ. and him and his friend went like in, in, whenever he tells a story he seemed like so proud of it it was really funny um went and shot up the windows with a rifle of the McDonald's that had come to Norway. My favorite thing about this is that he like brings up that they were like cycling to it. So I just Those imagine people. this like heavy like black metal guy on this like little like tricycle going around shooting up McDonald's. He's got the it's paint like, on. He's got his rifle. His friends from the, the pegs. <laughs> but this kind of um, good standing uh, friendship would not last. And kind of one of the things that started this was allegedly he denies it um varg burned a lot of churches oh dozens in norway oh well one thing too well we should mention like it wasn't i mean yes they were bored but it wasn't like they were shooting at mcdonald's jesse shoot at mcdonald's no, no like they saw mcdonald's um i guess as the e the west east as West. the as the American culture West, like yeah. coming into their country and trying to Americanize everything. Yeah. And that's where they were fighting back against it. Yeah, Likewise well, with the church burning, they were fighting against Christianity, we'll get, taking their culture away. Yeah. Into that when we talk more about like Varg's like specific ideology, because he really does hone that. Like mm-hmm. this guy has like philosophy books. Like he really took this stuff seriously and kind of took what was a bunch of kids messing around into like a life view. I saw a video where he's showing a guitar tutorial for uh-huh. some of Burzum's earlier stuff, and he uh, has a book on his desk called "Intelligence Differences Between Races" or mm. something like that. Oh no, oh, yeah, he's, he's a, a Nazi. Yeah, no, he, re- he he's yeah. not. He's not a Nazi. Yes, he is. He said there are three things defining differences that make him not a Nazi. One, he is not a socialist. 
two, he's not materialistic, and three, he believes in, quote, traditional Scandinavian democracy. But everything else, yeah, he's basically a Nazi. He said he liked the Nazis um, because they hated Christians and Jews. And he's like, I'm down with that. That's great. Didn't Hitler claim to be a Christian? I mean... They got rid of like a lot of... like. You also have like Nazi cultism. That. Yeah, that's true. And he used to walk around wearing like an SS or SS belt buckle like and stuff. He shaved his head. Like, this dude was pretty extreme right. Guys, yeah. unpopular opinion and think Fox was a Nazi. Yeah, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> Definitely had some shades of Nazism. And this is not uncommon in this genre. Like, a uh, big thing that they would call this, like, black metal would also be known as, a. Uh, uh, Norwegian Aryan black metal. Um, Damn. There was a story about uh, Death Throne. Uh, they were on their album uh, Transylvanian Hugger. Really good album. Check it out. You say Hugger? Hugger. Hugger. Yeah. Hunger. Hunger. It kind of got stuck in my throat a little bit. Hunger. Transylvanian Hunger because they suck blood. Um, they were going to, on the cover, say, you know, uh, Nordic Aryan black metal, and they decided that was kind of a little too Nazi, so instead they released a statement stating that the album was beyond criticism and that anyone who criticized it should be uh, patronized for their, quote, obviously Jewish behavior. That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> they said that they, they apologized saying that they did not mean anything against Jews and that what? Jewish was just Norwegian youth slang for idiotic, which makes it okay. But like, why would you pick that <laughs> word for that? <laughs> yeah. So this stuff wasn't uncommon in the genre. That's like, funny. I really do like black metal, but there is some. There's a dark side to it. I mean, yeah, most of it. Most of it is kind of a dark side. Well, see, like I, we were talking about this earlier. You know, you say all the things, and honestly, church burning is not the worst. It honestly isn't because nobody really got hurt. No, nope. that's one thing. People did. Hold, hold on. Well, not so fast. in these church burnings that Varg was allegedly not involved in. Um, people, the people were like firefighters were injured and killed. During the uh, church burning, like trying to put him out. But what's the one that he set on fire? We don't well, know. Not, what... He didn't set any on fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's Allegedly. so convoluted because he's like, I didn't do anything. And everybody else, like, Varg burned dozens of churches. But anyway, like, in during the 90s, black metal in the there were 50 church fires. 50. So they took it fucking seriously. Well, it even happened, like, okay, so. And there were copycat ones after, like, it got. So pretty much happened. he got busted pretty much for his involvement whether he burned or did not actually burn these churches he got busted for his involvement and he ended up not being found guilty because there wasn't enough evidence so he was kind of in the clear for now and he got caught but he fucked about it. up he got caught because he was like talk to a reporter about it yeah yeah which is like the thing you don't do when you burned a bunch of churches down. And he said that they were all Satanists. And this is where the thing, the whole Satanist kind of thing comes in. Because most of them clearly were not actual practicing Satanists. Mm -hmm. they, they just weren't. I mean, they had like Satanic inspired lyrics. But their actual religion, most of them probably wouldn't have been affiliated with Satanism. No, because Satanism is intrinsically Abrahamic. Yeah, it would make so no sense. That. It would make no sense because if you're like, we hate Abrahamic religion, well, here's the inverse of it, and that's what we're going to practice. It's still, you know, Satan has his roots in the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you're still not doing it. So c most of them kind of geared towards older, like, pagan Norwegian religions. Yeah. But they would still use Satan just because it's shocking. When a yeah. Christian hears Satan, they're like, oh, gosh. Yeah, <laughs> it is. it is definitely one way to get people's attention, and they did a lot. And one thing that happened 
kind of that destroyed, it really sent everything downhill, is Varg of Burzum and Euronymous started getting into it about ownership of Varg's music mm-hmm. because he was signed to Euronymous's record label, Death Like Silence. And apparently he was not being, according to Varg, was not being very fair. And even some other people were saying that he was very mocking of Varg, saying that he owned Burzum's music and that, you know, his next few records belonged to him and he was, you know, trapped, like Euronymous was being an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's disputed. But one thing that happened, and it was very common in the black metal scene, was death threats. And most people did not take these death threats seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, Varg took this one very seriously. Very seriously, <laughs> oh, in fact. Yeah. And, like, I think he said that there were threats that he was going to make a snuff film out of killing Varg. Euronymous was going to do that. He thought that Euronymous was going to tase him, tie him up, kidnap him, and then torture him to death and record it. In the woods, yeah. In the woods. Nowhere else. Only the woods. I wonder if it happened, if we could still, like, look that up on, like, Live Leak or some shit. Oh, for sure. You know? Oh, probably. But, he... (sighs) Fuck. He claims that all he did was go over to... Euronymous's house late at night to talk about record deal things. So by late at night, I mean like three, four in the morning. No, he was, was yeah. he like they woke him up. Yeah, it, it was, he was what it was. Fargs came over to uh, Euronymous's house with, I think, Blackthorn of Thorns. Oh, he I thought it was from Mayhem. I thought it was somebody else from Mayhem that came with him. I mean, again, these are band sluts. I don't. That's know. true. He came with another band member yeah. that was connected to the both of them. Yeah. But he went over and tried to talk about, according to him, the record situation like Mm -hmm. the record deal some unsigned and he claims that whenever Euronymous let him into the house he started acting strange and looking nervous Mm -hmm. and claims that he was attacked so Varg stabbed him 23 times yeah once in the skull like directly in the forehead yeah once two in the head five in the neck and 16 in the back Though in self-defense. He claims most of those cuts were from glass that Euronymous fell on. Uh, I think he took a lamp. glass from yeah. knife wounds. Though. Well, apparently the court agreed, because I don't think Varg got away with this, none. Yeah, so he, for a while, nobody knew who did it except the witness. Mm-hmm. And everybody was in, you know, they were paranoid. So people were walking around armed, stuff like that. People were always wondering, you know, who they could trust and who they couldn't trust. And it got media attention. It was front-page news in Norway whenever Euronymous died Mm -hmm. because they had made a name for themselves with these church burnings. And the murder of Euronymous really um, became a big deal. Like, it was on TV. It was on front page of all the newspapers. It's why your mom's afraid of black metal. Yeah, or just metal in general. Yeah, no. Probably doesn't know the difference between that. Did he uh, kill him on the street or in the apartment? Because at he some point, he killed him on the street. Like, yeah, because he, he ran away. Him, yeah. You know, and he in self defense, he chased him, caught up to him, and stabbed him twenty. Well, his defense in that is, if you know somebody's going to kill you, are you going to let them live and give them a, a second chance to kill you? I would say, if you want to avoid prison, most likely. But he didn't. <laughs> I also don't think that was the case. I think Varg probably went over with the intent to kill him because the guy he went with later testified and said, "Oh no, Varg went there to kill him." 100%. He went there with the intention of killing, killing Euronymous. And that's kind of like the end of the classic mayhem kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. 
and a lot of the focus now was shifted on Varg because he was, you know, kind of notorious for this church burning stuff. And then the murder of Euronymous was, like I said, national news. Mm-hmm. And they kept calling him, like, because his name's Count Kirschnack. Yeah. Krishnak. Krishnak. Um, they just shortened it to the Count. You know, and they kept calling him the Count, the Count, mm-hmm. the Count. And it made him to be this kind of, like, guru figure where, you know, people became fascinated with him. People started doing copycat stuff, mm-hmm. um, like burning churches and doing, like, graffitiing churches or, you know, defacing yeah. religious <laughs> artifacts. And um, the media thinks that by labeling these people as Satanist and, like, they're this big mafia, mm-hmm. you know, it's giving them a lot more credit than they deserve because they were kind of a small group of, you know, like, mm-hmm. docile... Just doughy pale kids. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there were other, like, church burners who were also getting arrested and tried at this time. But the um, vast majority of the people involved with black metal were only interested in the music mm-hmm. and they were really upset whenever they kind of got pinned with all this because they're like well great you know i was i didn't want any of that shit yeah and now you know i'm getting weird looks weirder than you know i would before and i'm getting you know no it's kind of like this. the equivalent of saying you liked marilyn manson right after columbine Ooh, that's like, good that's marilyn good manson yeah. never really encouraged it most people who listen to marilyn manson aren't going to shoot up their school but if you said that you got a weird look for a while. And it was kind of the same with black metal. You said you like black metal. First thing people are going to think of is church burning and murder. And Satanism. Because yeah. they weren't even... The media made it look like they were all actually Satanist. Which mm. they weren't. And it made international news. You know, it was... That, it was a big deal. Whenever all this stuff was going on. Yeah, it was when Kerrang! did like that story on them. Was that when like black metal got popular here? Was that I the would first say introduction to that it? was a big help. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, and also, I think I saw I think I saw a video of Burzum being played on MTV. Really? Yeah. I saw a video of them being like, the Prince of Darkness from Norway releases this, and it's literally like shots of a camera pointed up in the air mm-hmm. with trees, and he's like circling the trees. Like, he, he's just, it's it's just like impo- two pictures imposed on each other, uh-huh. and he's just looking up at the sky, twirling his camera and shit. Love it! I really like Black Metal. I do too. It's good, yeah. Just remember that the people behind it are kind of shitty. Yeah, it's, not, but not all of them. Not all. Okay, the main figureheads well, from the second wave. Well, but they only became main figureheads. I mean, they were big, but it's because they were shitty. And, and the also not by choice, I guess. That. Yeah. They were like, oh, look, at these are the most extreme extreme. Let's just fucking put them everywhere. I'd also say they vary a lot as far as content and musical ability goes. Because mm-hmm. you have... People who want to be produced decently well. You have people like Burzum who don't want to be produced well. They kind of, you know, it's their art that it sounds like shit. Mm-hmm. And if you enjoy it for that, it becomes enjoyable. Mm-hmm. There's some bands that are, you know, a lot more satanic. They're, well, arguably whether mm-hmm. they're satanists or not. But there, there definitely are some. Anti-Christian. And then there's some that sing about, like, the North and the old gods and war and sh- It ranges from, like... <laughs> Satan to like really heavy versions of like fucking baby it's cold outside because they're in fucking Norway <laughs> talking about that. like mountains and snow and shit so and another thing is that especially recently there's been more like atmospheric and well it's always been atmospheric but more mm-hmm. like ambient black metal oh, where yeah. it's kind of oddly peaceful because the sound of the guitar is just like shredding with these notes mm-hmm. and the vocals that are 
in the background and you can't really understand them it kind of just becomes like at least for me mm-hmm. like a meditative relaxing thing oh totally and some of them some of them are definitely darker and other ones are not very dark and it's yeah i think it's relaxing no doubt. i go to sleep to it yeah no i'm um because it kind of feels like standing like in a like foggy norwegian forest yeah or like mm-hmm. a you know a snow-capped mountain yeah or you know something like even if it's like one thing i heard somebody describe listening to an album as was looking at you know fresh snow on the top of a mountain with the sun you know glaring down and there's this bright white so it goes from anything from like you know doing creepy shit in your bedroom with a ouija board to you know i like snow yeah there's actually a black metal band called wonders of nature they're actually pretty fucking good yeah and that's what they fucking sing about do you guys have anything else to add no I don't think so. Yeah, the church party was the coolest part. I mean, like in a terrible way, but... We forgot to mention, Varg served a 21... God damn it. That's the maximum. (laughs) A 21-year sentence, which was the maximum, and I think, worst sentence ever in Norway for anything. Didn't he receive the the worst punishment ever given? That's what he said. He said that that was the most they could give him. And they were very excited. I don't think it was the worst. It was just the worst possible. Because I don't think they have a death penalty. And they don't believe in life and imprisonment. They believe that the state fails to, like, not make you a criminal. And however 20-so years, uh, go free. Yeah. We messed up. That wasn't on you. We we tried. Uh, France. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Limousine France. He was recently arrested, actually. That's great. Because his wife fucked up. Well, his wife bought four rifles, and Vargas kind of now on that like watch list of if some, if they know someone buying four rifles, we're going to check in on you, make sure you ain't burning down more churches or killing people. Yeah, no, Vargas on a couple lists. Yeah, easily. I mean, for the books he buys, unless he goes to... And like... the books he writes, dude. Like, he, he he's written books on the subject. He has, I forget how many, but he has a fairly decent uh, list of authorship no, I mean, because, well, he kind of said he viewed his imprisonment as, like, a stay in a yeah, monastery. monastery. And during this time, he really perfected his ideology that was kind of this mixing of, like, Nordic paganism and, like, Aryan nationalism. Yeah, which is what, really, the Nazis were into originally as well. Yeah, which is why they kind of start to overlay on each other, and it gets a little yeah. uncomfortable pulling at your collar, like, ooh. Good music, though. Yeah. Burzum's sure. great. New Burzum's awesome. I actually really like Burzum a lot. It's just... Varg, man. You gotta separate the art from the artist. Yeah. I mean, he seems like a... He seems like a genuinely, like, nice person, though. At least on YouTube. Except for the murder part. Well, he thinks Edgar's a little less smart than us. So That's I don't know. true. I don't know if I like him that much. Edgar's an honorary white person. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, God. <laughs> sure. Okay, so do we have anything else, you know, at all we need to add? Um... We can talk about current state of black metal. What's it doing now? It's actually doing really well, mm-hmm. especially in America. Um, bands they they get a lot of shit, but like Deaf Heaven, mm-hmm. Deaf Heaven really uh, kind of helped with bringing uh, black metal to your. I I don't know, like kind of made it more mainstream, I guess. No, it's like watching hardcore punk evolve and kind of mm-hmm. not hit mainstream, but again come into mainstream awareness and become not only more accessible. But also, like, more varied, because people pick it up and run with it. And I, you know, I understand the fact that they're not really true to the whole message, but personally, I do enjoy Death Heaven. I do. I like them. And uh, another one, a big hitter 
for uh, modern day black metal. Wolves in the Throne Room, mm-hmm. very good, very atmospheric. Got some ambient stuff that's very good. I'm wearing one of their shirts. They're from where my family lives, Ooh. so that's cool. Yeah, no, um, and also uh, Greece has a giant yes. black metal yes. scene. A lot of great brutal stuff. Uh, sad. There are Lord, Necromantia, Rotting Christ, really heavy, brutal stuff. Yeah. There's also, like, some of the, like, the, the funnier stuff is there's this band we found out about about a couple years ago called the Black Satans, <laughs> and they have a song called the Satans of Hell, oh and it is God. just a bunch of, jeez, a bunch of fucking goons, son. <laughs> it's really funny. Please look that video up. There's one scene where this dude's, like, doing some weird shit with his legs, and he's like walking through the snow, and it's just like this could be us if we were in this, you know, Norway in yeah, the snow with wanna, nothing to fucking do. You want to give that name again? The Black Satan's song, "The Satan's of Hell." <laughs> Look it up. It's a treat. All right, I think we're good, guys. I think we're great. All right. Well, subscribe, iTunes, rate, give us reviews so we know what we're doing bad, and I hope you learned something. Please don't burn any churches, and if you do, tell us about it. Yeah, please do. But, like, we're not responsible. Yeah, we're not, no. But tell us about it. But tell us about it. Oh, yeah. On Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Tell us on Facebook.